This episode is brought to you by Kia's first three-row all-electric SUV, the Kia EV9. With available all-wheel drive and seating for up to seven adults. With zero to 60 speed that thrills you one minute. And available lounge seats that unwind you the next. Visit kia.com slash EV9 to learn more. Ask your Kia dealer for availability. No system, no matter how advanced, can compensate for all driver error and or driving conditions. Always drive safely. Now, back to your tech report. We're back on your tech report. Thank you guys for being with us each and every single week. I'm very excited to welcome our next guest who of the CTO of Philips Hue, um, Georgiani. Am I pronouncing that right? I should have asked you that before I hit record, right? Yep, perfect. All the way from the Netherlands, thank you for taking the time to join us. Um, I think if our audience out there, if they don't know the Philips Hue name already, I mean, we can probably refresh them, but I don't think there's probably a soul in the world who doesn't know Philips Hue. But but, but tell us, George, how long have you been with Philips? And, and tell us about about the company and the kind of roots, because I think we know Philips as a brand through many different platforms and devices, et cetera, et cetera. But I'll let you fill in the blanks. So um, I'm actually uh, uh, part of the team that started uh, Philips Hue. Um, we were an internal startup uh, within Philips, um, which uh, yeah was pitched to uh, try and change how consumers around the world interact with their lighting, with technology. And uh, yeah, 10 years ago, we uh, launched uh, almost to the day. And uh, yeah, we're pretty much doing that every day. Um, yeah, Philips, of course, has been around for over 120 years. We were the, the company that uh, first industrialized the light bulb um, in the, the city of Eindhoven, where I'm based today. Um, and uh, yeah, has uh, since spun to be uh, a broad company in many consumer electronics areas. Um, I joined the company back in 2007 um, and uh, yeah, started uh, with Philips Hue in uh, 2011. Um, the lighting division since spun out of Philips. They're actually an independent uh, company called Signify, but uh, continue to use the Philips uh, brand mark and the Philips Hue brand mark, which uh, is recognized by consumers around the world. Yeah. I'm going to have to rewind because you threw out a good bomb there that I wasn't aware of, which was that you were you know there at the beginning pitching this concept. What? No. Okay, I, lots of questions there. Okay, number one, um, where did the concept come from? Like, what was the need, or what did you see that was going on that that sparked this idea to connect our light bulbs? Yeah. So, um, when I joined uh, Philips, um, like I think most people in the world, um, I hadn't spent too much time thinking about the the lights that are around me all of the time, um, and I joined the company and. Uh, was participating in projects doing amazing things with lighting that I'd never even thought of as a consumer. We were using light to help improve students' test scores. We were using lights to help buildings half their energy consumption. We were using lights to make dark, scary parts of cities, places where people go to socialize. Um, and so it was always a bit of a frustration in my early days at Phillips that I was doing all this amazing stuff that you no, know, none of my friends and family knew anything about. <laughs> so it was kind of a you know, deep-seated desire that I wanted to change that and make some of these amazing things accessible to consumers. Um, so when the, the first uh, iPhones uh, came out um, and I started playing around with using that phone to test different user interface concepts for lighting, um, initially to prototype physical remotes, but yeah, quickly realized that actually this is a fantastic way to tell these stories and expose new functionality towards consumers. Um, simple things like let them name things, let them drag to the color they want, uh, let them see a, a picture and, and choose the ambience from that are all possible in that way. 
And that's when we got started trying to build uh, yeah, software for consumer lights and yeah. Look where we are 10 years later. Was, was that a hard sell? Like, because you, you, of course, thinking outside the box and obviously also kind of selfishly wanting people to know what you're working on, right? Was that a hard sell within the company or did people buy in fairly quickly? So, so I think the, the the concept of, you know, unlocking kind of this value beyond illumination, beyond giving light uh, for consumers, I think that was well recognized. I mean, that was something that we were trying to do in many fields. Um, I think where we uh, got some uh, surprise and pushback was in how you could deliver that towards consumers. You know, we, uh, uh, when we started, uh, we went set about building the first color-changing internet-connected light bulb, um, and uh, that was difficult uh, back in uh, you know 2011-12. Uh, that was just barely possible with the technology. Normal LED light bulbs uh, were only recently becoming uh, mainstream possible. Doing a color-tunable one. Um, yeah, was seen as uh, ambitious um, and and costly. So uh, when we uh, you know pitched that we wanted to take a, a commodity that most people were paying a you know a dollar for to add a light bulb to their home and sell it for sixty dollars, they some people thought we were crazy. Um, but yeah, that's what it costs to actually make these products with good experience, and we did it. And uh, luckily, uh, they uh, they all sold out in the first week. Um, so we were off to a good start. I'm sure the result, I'm sure they were, you were happy yourself, but I'm sure the people who said, okay, let's try this out, were ecstatic about it. Um, you know, the first color changing internet connected light bulb, it seems when you say that today, that it would be so long ago, but it's not, it's not, it's not so long ago. Even you talk about the first iPhone, you know, that device sparked so much ingenuity across different platforms. And here you are, you know, giving proof positive that that comes, you know, comes to fruition over over at Philips. How have how fast have things gone since then? Or how does it feel to you? Um, I mean, like you say, it's amazing to think that it's you know only 10 years ago that you know, we thought controlling devices in our home with our smartphones was a totally alien concept. And now it's totally normal, right? We we speak to our homes. We have apps running on all variety of, uh, of screens inside our homes. The world has changed uh, a lot. Um, and yeah, I think a lot of things have, have surprised us. But I think what's surprised me is that on your side or my side? That was my side. Okay, sorry. I'll edit that out. Um, <clears throat> um, sorry, let me let me go back to the the, the, the question. So yeah, ten years ago, um, there was uh, huge amounts of things which uh, seem you know, very normal today, which were very alien back then. Um, it was not a normal thing to control devices around us from our smartphones. It had only just got started. And today we find that very normal, right? We can interact with our, our TVs, yeah. with our lights, with our thermostats. Um, this all seems very normal. Um, and the pace of change has been enormous. Um, and I think it's been surprising that we've actually been able to keep finding new ways to change how people interact with their homes. There's no shortage of ways to do things better, functionality, which makes sense. Um, and yeah, there's still plenty of, of innovation ahead. Um, but what surprised me the most is how normal it seems. <laughs> normal it seems to control my home with my phone, to speak to my home, um, to have 
buttons on the wall which send commands up to the cloud to initiate scenes that I've programmed in a voice speaker. <laughs> uh, huge amount of technology around us just kind of invisibly helping control our lives. Um, you know, people who, people who listen to the show know that I, I've been an early smart home adopter from, from back in the beginning, whether it was doing stuff myself on Raspberry Pis, obviously, to using things like HomeKit. And I mean, I think I probably got every platform going on in my house. And, and I'm not going to say this because you were here with me, but categorically at the end of the day, the most reliable lighting products is two. The most reliable lighting products that I have in my home are Philips Hue and Lutron. And, um, and the only reason that I don't have Philips Hue bulbs in every single place in my house is because it is obviously expensive to replace every single bulb. That being said, that's why obviously, you know, I mentioned Lutron, but you know, outdoor lighting, we redid our, our whole landscaping outdoors and I didn't even question it. It wasn't even, cost wasn't even an issue because I knew that if I invested in Philips Hue, that it would last and it wouldn't, it would not break down and there was support there. And, and I must admit, I went to the website and there, you know, there are hundreds of products that you guys create that I didn't even know existed. You know, I knew lighting strips, I knew light bulbs, um, you know, outdoor spots. I got those, but some of the sconces, some of the out, I mean, the, the so such an incredible variety. How do you even decide or is it just kind of like, OK, let's try this now and see if it works? Like, for example, you know, the ability to put a strip around my TV and have it sync with HDMI. I don't know if anybody has experienced that who's listening right now, but that is an, an incredible game changer when it comes to consuming home entertainment. No, I fully agree. Um, the entertainment uh, experience is something that we actually had dreamt up in the lab when we launched, but it took us many years to find the right way to actually make it possible in a way which you can just easily experience and you're not messing around playing content on computers or um, having lag and delays. Um, it took us a long time to actually find out the right way to do that at scale, but the experience is is amazing. I mean, if people listening have not tried it out yet, um, yeah, the immersion it brings, um, so much more than surround sound, right? Having the whole room participate and move with the content on the screen in a spatial way is 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 amazing. Yeah, it's insane. It absolutely it blows your mind. Um, let's talk about one of the reasons that we were having this conversation in the first place, and that is um, earlier in the month in November, the Connectivity Standards Alliance finally made the official announcement for Matter. Can you describe for our audience in a very uh, at least techie way possible what Matter really is and why it's significant in the way our smart homes are going to evolve? Okay. So um, what Matter is is it's a common language which devices in the smart home can use to talk to each other. And why that's important, and I think um, people should care about, um, is it means it makes it much simpler to know what works with what. Uh, today in the smart home, um, every device pretty much has their own language that they speak. And typically, they support a few other languages which are owned by big smart home companies. You know, think uh, you know Amazon Alexa, Apple HomeKit, Google Assistant, Samsung Smart Things, you know, the, the big ones. Um, and to know which features work and which devices work with which of those ecosystems today is a bit of a journey of discovery. 
right? And uh, if you decide to switch out and try to use other things together, you might find out some of those products do not work in the way you want. Now, with Matter as an agreement between all of the major device makers and all of the major smart home ecosystems to say, let's use this common language so we can make it simple for consumers. They look for one mark, the matter mark, and you know these things will work together. Um, I think that's amazing that the industry has been able to come together and work yeah. toward a common way of doing this uh, the last few years. And I'm proud that uh, you know, Philips Hue has been, uh, been part of that uh, journey. Now, in coming towards this new universal language, of course, you want it to be awesome. Right, you want to take all the best things of all yeah, of the other things that are out there, um, and I think a lot of important things have landed in there to make that true. Um, unlike a lot of the smart home standards, um, it's local, so devices speak directly to each other, not via any cloud backend, which makes things really fast um, and really secure, right, in a much better way than was possible before, uh, and that just isn't possible. Um, if you don't agree a single language, because the devices then have to natively support it, and they just don't have the space and the memory to support multiple of these local interfaces where you had this cloud layer in between. So it makes things faster, makes things easier to understand. Um, and why I like it as a, as a company building you know, devices for your home is I have a seat at the table. Right? So if there's new functionality that I want to get built um, in these smart home experiences, um, yeah, I can contribute and lobby that functionality and be sure that all of the platforms um, will have the ability to support it in the same way. And I won't have to do something different um, for all of the different devices, uh, all of the different ecosystems that are out there. Um, yeah, at launch, it's new, right? It's going to take some time before everything supports it properly and the interoperability is sorted out. But over time, this is going to be uh, yeah, quite a significant change to what works with what, how well things perform. And I think it's going to open the doors for a lot of new companies to do interesting smart home things, because suddenly it's not just huge companies that can do smart home use cases. Uh, any small company out there can do some interesting um, smart home device or app um, and not have to worry about interoperability, what works with what, just have to wor worry about building a great product experience. Now, there was a lot of talk about, um, at least in some, hang on, I don't want people keep calling me. And I have it on Do Not Disturb here. It's the iPad behind me, give it one second. There we go. Um, okay, here we go. There's a lot of conversation, there, there was a lot of conversation when we first heard about Matter that it wouldn't be just a software update. Um, that that certain manufacturers would require some kind of hardware update. Um, correct me if I'm wrong, but but th this is just a software update to our existing Philips bridge, correct? Yeah, so we have always believed at Philips Hue of building products to last, right? If you buy a Philips Hue product, you know, we want it to last 10 years and be relevant for 10 years. And that's why we've made sure to, you know, Put enough headroom in our products so that we can do these kind of things via software updates um, and we've been able to do this for, for matter as well so via a software update of the the hue bridge every philips hue product that we have ever made will be made uh, compatible uh, with this new standard that you know was not even imagined uh, when we started 10 years ago 
So really proud we're able to do that and uh, future-proof uh, the investments that people have made in, in Philips Hue and their smart homes. Um, yeah, other brands are not able to uh, to do this necessarily. A matter is a new standard. It used is you know latest modern security encryption, uh, and that has hardware requirements, um, which mean many products will not be able to be software updated and will need to be replaced. Yeah. Um, but luckily with Philips Hue, we've been able to to do that and you know live up to our promise that our products are built to to last and be relevant. Does the introduction of matter? Um open open your mind to new possibilities that maybe didn't exist before yeah so matter really levels the playing field when it comes to smart home use cases and and for me a smart home use case is where multiple kinds of devices work together to create an experience um yeah if we wanted to build use cases where we combined you know lighting and heating as an example, not sure what those are, but if we did, <laughs> um, you know, before Matter, we would have to go and we would have to go talk individually to all of the thermostat companies that we wanted to team up with. Um, and we would probably have to, one of us would have to build a specific integration with all of those devices we wanted to make together. So, you know, I'd end up supporting I don't know, four or five different thermostat brands, private APIs to build that use case. And every time I wanted to change something on that use case, I have to check all those individual connections would work. Basically, most of the work would be gluing stuff together and not actually building a nice use case and experience. Um, today, if I wanted to build a smart home use case, I could just support the Matter thermostat profile and any Matter device, including ones that have not been made yet, would work with it. So it makes it a lot more accessible to tap into those use cases. Um, now, our focus, at the moment is really to just make sure that we make our lights work as well as possible in a matter ecosystem um, and building these smart home use cases. There are plenty of very innovative, very capable um, engineers working at a variety of companies that are going to do that. But if down the road, there is something where this kind of integration is someone to tap into. Yeah, suddenly we can jump on that and act much more quickly and focus on what matters, which is the consumer experience yeah. and not interoperability which should just be hygiene. What's the um, what's the time frame for consumers to get that update? And um, will there be any kind of noticeable difference off the start? Or is it just going to be a hey, regular software update to your bridge? And as as devices are released, it'll be just become more compatible. Yeah, so um, we are certified. Um, we have launched the Matter software as a developer beta. So it's open. Anyone can sign up and get access to the firmware, but we're not rolling it out en masse to consumers yet. And the reason we're not doing that yet is that the standard's only just launched. And yeah, we can't give firm promises that everything works perfectly with everything else. Yeah. So we want this period where everyone is kind of in an open beta testing mode to really validate and solve bugs and make sure it's a perfect experience before we push it out to consumers. We expect we'll be in a position to do that somewhere in Q1, right? But of course, depends on the, the issues that we find. Um, yeah, when a user uh, decides to start using Matter, um, we guide them in our uh, application to set, set it up. Um, and what you will see immediately is uh, most things should become faster because all connections will go local. Um, it will also let you link multiple bridges 
towards the smart home ecosystem instead mm-hmm. of just one. And that's something our consumers, some of our consumers have lots of lights in their homes and they ask about that. And yeah, you will be able to pair two bridges over matter to an Alexa speaker if that's what you want. Um, I think that's the immediate things you'll notice. Um, and I think, uh, yeah, as time progresses, I think you will see more and more uh, innovation, software players, features um, appearing in the standard, which should unlock features in the ecosystem. And that's the way you experience them. But I think our vision is that yeah, all of our smart home integrations um, will move over and Matter will be the way forward. And we like that much more because, <laughs> like I said, we have a seat at the table. Yeah. Right? We can help shape the future of the standard to best support light. So let let's go backwards and let's let's go forwards at the same time. We started this talking about, uh, you know, almost ten years ago and being you know one of the first at the table, if not the first, with connected lighting. Um, if, you know, at that point in time, I don't think you probably could have thought ten years down the road and to think to where you might be today. Maybe you could, um, but fast forward ten years from now, can you even imagine or try to imagine where you might be, or is that pointless at this point? Because it's just it's just too insane to think of where we might be with connected everything, really. Yeah, so I, I think it's always hard um, with how fast things change to really predict the future. I think there are some trends that we are focusing on, right? Things that we would like to make happen in the smart home. Um, one of the things that you know we've been you know, working on for a while um, is to actually reduce the amount of interaction you have to have with your lights, but make those interactions more valuable. So we, we, we don't want smart lights to be yet another thing to control. It should be something mm-hmm. that just makes your home easier to live in makes it better. Um, and so how we can um, have the lights respond more automatically to your needs, or if you tell the lamps to do something by, for example, pressing one of our smart switches, um, that we bring in some more intelligence to just know the right thing for the lights to do at that moment. Definitely, it's about getting more more contextual with how we use our lights. George, thank you so much for taking the time to join us. I know uh, you only have a limited amount of time. Thank you for coming to me all the way from the Netherlands. Uh, you guys at home, if you got any questions, contact yourtechreport.com. Do let us know. George Iani, CTO of Philips Hue and Signify, uh, thank you so much for joining us. And you guys at home, thank you for being here each and every single week. You have been listening to Your Tech Report on behalf of Mitchell Whitfield and our guests, I am Marco Flalo. We will catch you on our next episode. You've been tuned in to Your Tech Report. Join us again next week for another edition. And be sure to follow Your Tech Report online. Email us, contact at yourtechreport.com. Follow us on Twitter at Your Tech Report. Like us on facebook.com slash yourtechreport. For the latest in breaking tech news and reviews, yourtechreport.com. The Podcast Super Friends is a monthly meeting of five podcast producers. Hi, I'm Catherine O'Brien from Branch Out Programs in Baton Rouge, Louisiana. I'm John Gay from Jag and Detroit Podcasts. I'm Matt Kundle from the Sound Off Podcast Network. I'm David Yes from Pod 617, the Boston Podcast Network. And I'm Johnny Peterson from Straight Up Podcasts. Together, they form the Podcast Super Friends, an alliance of podcast masterminds sharing best practices, insights, and discussions to help make you a better podcaster. Follow or subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, or at soundoff.network. 
It is your favorite girl. That's right. It's the Ali Mars, the one and the only. Everyone else just ain't me. I am the host of Welcome to Mars, a lifestyle podcast where nothing is off the table. I have come a long way from sex and dating and have transformed the new vibe to all things lifestyle. We still talk sex, but I'm more interested in the journey, where people have come from, how they made it, and where they're going. Subscribe or follow to a brand new look and a brand new era. Welcome to Mars. Subscribe or follow on Apple, Spotify, Google, or at theallymars.com. Because even with the new look, I'm still that same bitch you love to hate.